has partnered with the National Park Foundation to help you find your happy place. And with more than 400 national parks, there's a good chance you'll find one close to home. Discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com. This week, we've got news, news, and more news, along with listener questions and an interview about a new product designed to make driving your RV much safer. This is RV Miles. Welcome to episode 128 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, crisscross North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. Well, here we are again in the the Quad Cities, USA, on the the Iowa-Illinois border. We are recording on on Championship Sunday, getting ready to watch some uh, league championship football. Yeah, don't bring that up now because that's my fresh tank. Okay. Don't go there. Don't take my fresh tank from me. I'm just going to (laughs) say we've got a pot of chili brewing. We do. I think this is your first pot of chili for the season too. I don't know if I made it over the summer. I don't think I've made it since last winter. No, we're not really summer yeah, chili time no. people. That's not really no. something I crave well, in the summer. there was some random frozen chili that we're trying to figure out where Look, it came from, but I think it's a year old. I'm pretty sure that frozen chili is a year old. <laughs> we have not made chili this year. So we're looking forward to having some of Jason's chili, which is all of you know, if you've listened to past episodes, Jason's a big fan. Of making chili. Oh, and I meant to tell you, there's a chili cook-off happening in the Quad Cities today. Well, you should have gone. Why aren't we going? I mean, uh, I've well, got chili. I just bring it there. I mean, it's it five degrees outside. It literally but. feels like it's negative 17 outside. <laughs> so you take that chili, but by the time you get there, it will be frozen. <laughs> well, we're here getting ready to get back on the road. We're very excited about that. We've We've all had doctor's appointments while we're here. Abby hasn't yet, but she's about to. Saving the best for last. (laughs) We were able to drive down to Peoria, Illinois and see a neurosurgeon where uh, I got my noggin checked out and uh, got approval to move forward and giving me my final, hopefully, (laughs) final surgery. Knock on wood. In this this long, long journey of having an infection on my brain. I'm going to get a titanium mesh put into my head to close up the hole that's in it at the end of the month. As everyone has pointed out, your transition to Cousin Eddie is complete. (laughs) It's almost complete. It's almost complete. If my hair sticks up in a spot (laughs) in the middle of the back of my head, you'll Um, you'll all know. And this is why we're not back on the road yet. We have opted to go ahead because they're going to do it at the end of the month. Right. So rather than coming back over the summer, which was kind of our plan, we're going to go ahead and do it now, get it over with, and then we don't have to worry about anything. But what's so interesting about all of this is they in the beginning kind of were like, well, why do you even want anything? You don't need anything. <laughs> yeah, you like, just yes, live, I do. <laughs> you, you can live. Yeah. Have you met me? <laughs> Like I lovingly say you're a bull in a China shop. Do you know shop. how many times <laughs> I knock my head on the awning supports for our RV? I don't want to know. I just can't. I'm not living with a, no, out a piece so, of my skull. And so this, they're telling us how they even had uh, an officer who is still on the beat with a fairly large hole in the front of his head. And he goes around and he wears 
nothing. Jason walks in with that helmet on and they're like, that's like overkill. Don't you think? Yeah. And I look at them. I'm like, no, what do you think? I don't think that's overkill. The so man has these all are the people head. that we've chosen to do my surgery. Uh, <laughs> they're super nice though. And, and I'm very yeah. excited to get it done, but we were supposed to be heading back out on the road about now, but we've decided, Hey, we can wait a couple more weeks, yeah. get this done. And that's going to allow us to travel so much more this year because we were going to have to be back here for most of the summer and now we don't have to be back here for most of the summer we're just coming back for a wedding and yeah, that's it that's gonna allow me to have less sweaty palms and less <laughs> like panic attacks every time we go somewhere because i just you know i'm constantly afraid that something's gonna happen to you so even if even if the neurosurgery team doesn't really think you need one your wife wants you to have one <laughs> so there we go. I want to have one. So yes. we are busy planning our travels. Finally, we get to work everything out. We are leaving from here as soon as humanly possible after my surgery. Yeah, we're hoping like five <laughs> days afterward. Like as soon as they give him the green light, they're actually going to um, give me a suture kit too. Uh huh. And I'm just going to take care of that little piece of the puzzle while we're out on the road. And then they will check in with him via text or we'll probably even do like maybe a little FaceTime. Which I just think is so amazing how modern medicine continues to evolve. And uh, so we're going to get back out there as soon as they clear him to drive. And then we are we are going far away from the cold. We are making a nearly 2000 mile journey to Los Angeles. Because <laughs> so we're crazy. It's um, so ridiculous that we're going to get back <laughs> in this truck trailer and then we're going to just put immediately 2000 miles yes. between us. We're putting to like, it's like, we're just trying to get as far away as possible from North Dakota, from the Midwest. We're just, we're going to go right to the ocean. Like we're going to spend a little time in Los Angeles with Abby's family and hopefully get to see my brother and uh, his girlfriend as well. And then we're going to head to San Diego for a few days and get to explore a little bit of San Diego. And then we're going to spend the entire month of March in Arizona. And in Arizona, we're doing the FMCA convention that we've been talking about for a while. Yeah. We're going to be giving a few seminars there. That's in Tucson at the end of the month. Yeah, that's happening March 26th through the 29th at the Pima County Fairgrounds in Tucson. But we're also going to join uh, the full-time families Southwest Rally and uh and that's in tucson as well and we we've been members of full-time families for a while now two years maybe About two something years like that. and uh and it's a great organization it's a great way to just if you are a family on the road to connect with other families wherever you're going to just talk with other people online they've got lots of discounts and stuff but this will be our first time actually attending one of their rallies and they have tons of rallies they're all so year long. busy yeah they keep so busy so i'm really looking forward to this it's going to be at a koa it's going to be for the first week of march march 1st through the 8th there in tucson it works out perfect for us i'm thrilled for the kids because there are so many activities being planned for them that week and then i'm just really looking forward to connecting with other full-time families who are out on the road as well. So March is going to be such a wonderful month for us because we're going to have these two, this rally and this convention, and we're going to have an opportunity to interact with so many people in the RV community. And anytime I get to interact with people in the RV and outdoor community, it just makes my heart so happy. So I'm really looking forward to March. I don't think there's a better way that we could get back into time on the road than getting out there and spending time with others who enjoy this lifestyle too. 
This week's episode is a hodgepodge of lots of things. We've There's got a <laughs> lot that happened this week. There is. We've got some news that we're going to cover here in, in a minute. And then uh, after the break, we're going to have a, a really interesting interview about a new product that I think you're really going to love. Then we've got some user questions and a whole lot more. So, Abby, why don't you kick us off with our first news item? So, you know, all the numbers are kind of in for the National Park Service parks for their 2019 visitation. And Joshua Tree is recording record-breaking numbers for 2019. They had their busiest year in the park. And that even includes, you know, there was the whole month of January almost, the park was shut down. Yeah. So they weren't really recording who was in the park for those 35 days that the parks were closed, right? Gosh, I forgot we had a shutdown last year. We did. We did. In fact, Joshua Tree was really highly in the news during that time. They were one of the parks that really kind of didn't benefit so well from not having staff because you know? that because that's the time of the year that Joshua Tree is at yes. its busiest in the middle of the summer. Joshua Tree is too hot and people like to go into Joshua Tree to get away from the, the cold L.A. air right. in, in the winter. So, so they head over to Joshua Tree. Um, that's really interesting that yeah, they were able so, to, to have such a high amount of visitors. Well, what they're kind of saying year. is their 2019 figures are up more than 46,000 from 2018. And that's more than twice the park's visitor total in 2013. So this park is growing in regards to popularity at an incredibly rapid pace. That isn't necessarily a good thing. I mean, we can have this debate all day long and a lot of times it's had all day long in our America's National Parks Facebook group about the popularity of parks and what causes something to become more popular. Is it the social media factor? Is it just the fact that there's more uh, awareness by the National Park Foundation and by other corporations that are joining up like L.L. Bean and Subaru and Nature Valley to kind of promote our parks and get more people out there? So there's a lot of factors that happen into this, but you cannot deny the fact that more people are coming. There aren't often staff enough to man the people that are now coming to these parks. That's the biggest issue. I think, I think people should go to parks. I, I am a park evangelist. I think everybody should go to national parks as much as possible. We just have to find better ways to teach people to take care of them better and better ways to uh, provide them the support that they need. Interestingly, along the same lines, Yellowstone National Park saw a decrease in 2019 visits down to the lowest level since 2014. Yosemite, 4.27 million visitors through November. And that is up from 3.7 million from 2018. Well, I think Yellowstone has a bit to do with the fact that it probably has everything to do with the fact that the Fishing Bridge Campground oh, yeah. was closed last year and will be closed this year as well. That's the big RV park there. And uh, and when that's closed, you, I mean, I think that's 300 some sites or more of campers that can't come. Well, the Yosemite numbers kind of blow my mind yeah. a little bit. Almost four and a half million people in Yosemite last year. There's probably a reason why we haven't been to Yosemite yet. (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought that was a really interesting piece of news. And I think that um, Joshua Tree, which always just seems like a really precious and uh, fragile park to me, is starting to show even more and more numbers that are creeping higher and higher 
And it's going to require a lot more care and love for that park. And right now they don't have the money for it. Absolutely. So we'll see what 2020 brings for them. Next up, we have some truck news. If you are a truck owner, as many RVers are, did you know about 80%, 85% of RVers actually are towing towable RVs? Let's try to say that three yeah. times fast. Towable R- no, I can't even. That's even like, say it once. I know. I need to send that to one of our our old voice teachers at Columbia and be like, "Hey, drop Mike Ditka and Dick Butkus. You want to put in towable trailers?" Anyway, go on. Uh, Ford announced last year the return of the Tremor edition for their trucks. The Tremor is a package that is is for all terrain off roading for their three-quarter ton and one-ton trucks, the F-250 and the F-350, which a lot of people use to tow RVs. And uh, and Ford is the, whether you are a Ford fan, a Chevy fan, or Ram fan, or whatever you are, Ford is by far the best-selling truck out there. And this package is really interesting because it's meant to compete with the Ram Power Wagon. And and I've, I've always hated that name, by the way, the Power, Power Wagon, wagon. Uh, and, and other types of packages that are making these heavy duty trucks off road vehicles, off road monsters, if you will. For those of you that like to take your trailers or your truck campers, we were talking about truck campers the other week and uh, and how great they would be for overlanding. Well, if you want to take one of those out overlanding through, you know, the the through the wilds of Arizona and New Mexico and places like that, uh, the the new Tremor edition is a good option. It comes with 18 inch wheels, 35 inch all terrain tires. That's going to be the biggest wheels, biggest stock tires on any truck that's sold today. Front limited slip differential, locking differential uh, on the rear with electronic shift on the fly. Running boards that tuck up underneath the body to avoid damage, skid plates, extended axle vent tubes, and a, a front end lift. You get a ground clearance of 10.8 inches and 33 inches of water fording that for is, when we go through those rivers. Yes, because we do that a lot. Uh, but they've just announced that they're adding an optional integrated worn winch, which comes with a $3,000 price tag that is right inside the bumper. So if you want a winch to pull trees out of your path when you're off-roading, <laughs> as when I you're do. heading to your, your boondocking campsite. This is a whole other level of camping this- that we so desire to be, and yet I cannot imagine us doing it. Well, if you'll let me spend the money on our truck, I'll trick it out. We just had the truck in the shop for a week. You did spend money on that truck. I, I okay. But those you spent almost, things. Yeah, you spent almost as much as that winch package, okay? I did. But it's cool about the winch is if you want a winch and you don't want that giant thing sitting on the front of your bumper, it's integrated inside the bumper, so you don't even really see it. And I thought that was really cool. The Tremor package is available on both the gas and diesel powered Super Duty pickups. Next up, some news from KOA. Their campground of the year winner has been announced. Uh, They actually announced this back in November at their uh, annual meeting, but uh, just to the press recently. And uh, I always think this is cool when like Jellystone and KOA and the big uh, campground organizations put out what they think their best parks are. Because uh, if you are interested in going to those types of parks, if you like the big uh, family campground experience with lots of activities and all that sort of stuff, 
they often are telling you what is the best of the best. And not surprisingly, the best of the best almost always comes down to who has the best service. And I think that's, that's such an important thing for, for campground operators to realize is that most of us don't care as much about all the amenities. It's not about how tricked out it is. Mm -hmm. It's about the human to human experience while you're there. So the Uniontown KOA holiday in Uniontown, in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Do you do what I do with that name? What? Do you want to say something else for Uniontown? No, I don't even want to. I keep seeing a certain musical. There's a musical <laughs> called Urinetown that she's referring to. Which is an amazing that, musical. And now I'm not going to, now I'm not going to be able to not see that in but this name. I have had to, like, as I was typing this out. I had to stop myself and go back and check because I kept writing you're in town, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I was like, that's not what that is. These are two completely different locations. Fabulous musical, though. Just like this is a fabulous campground. The Uniontown KOA holiday in Uniontown, Pennsylvania is KOA's campground of the year. The couple that owns it purchased it in 2005. It was a small neglected park alongside a river. And in the years since, they've built it into a big family resort with two swimming pools, cabins, patio sites, teepees, a playground. It sounds delightful. If we ever find ourselves up this way, I would love to go to this campground. But they've received uh, one of the top service scores of any park in the KOA system. Uh, and received a perfect score on the annual KOA Quality Assurance Assurance Review every year since 2016. So I thought that was really interesting. They also announced their Rising Star Award, which went to the Traveler's Rest North Greenville KOA Holiday, which is sort of like the best of the new additions to the KOA system. You can check out the article uh, that we have over on the website at rvmiles.com. We'll put a link to it in the show notes at rvmiles.com slash 128, where you can find the links to all of these news pieces that we've talked about. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have the answer to last week's brain teaser and a really interesting product that I think you're going to want to hear about. We'll be right back. RV Miles is brought to you by Victorinox. You know the brand Victorinox Swiss Army. They make the iconic red Swiss Army knife. But did you know that they also make best-in-class kitchen knives, luggage, fragrance, and Swiss-made watches? Founded in Switzerland in 1884 and still owned and operated by the family who invented the Swiss Army knife over 130 years ago, the classic red Swiss Army knife is still as functional as it was then. But now you can browse hundreds of styles from the rescue tool designed with first responders to get out of a vehicle safely to the wine master designed specifically to open a bottle of wine, travel gear ranging from suitcases to backpacks for a quick weekend getaway or a week long trip. Victorinox makes such a wide range of trusted products. Find the perfect companion for your next adventure. Visit Victorinox.com and save 15% using code RV15. That's Victorinox.com and code RV15 to save 15% now through December 31st. Some exclusions apply. All 
All right, it's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser. This one was RV related, so I loved it and went like this. Driving from Artesia, New Mexico to Alamogordo, New Mexico is a 110-mile trip over the Sacramento Mountains. Leaving from Artesia, the first 90 miles to the mountain town of Cloudcroft are a long, slow incline from 3,400 to 8,700 feet. The last 20 miles are a steep, white-knuckle descent back down to 4,000 feet. It's not really a recommended route for bigger RVs, but here's the question. Would you get better fuel mileage taking this route as described from east to west, or would you get better fuel mileage on the reversed route from west to east, Alamogordo up the steep incline to Cloudcroft and back to Artesia down a long and slow descent? You're looking at me. You want? Oh, you want me to answer? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't remember what I said last week. I'm just going to go with, I think you do better to take the long, slow descent up and then the steep drop down. Well, the physicist in some people might lead them to think that it would be identical both directions. That's what I was going to say at first, but I feel like that's the easy answer to a trick question. Yes, because energy can't be created or destroyed in, in, in a mathematical model. It would be identical either way. You use the same amount of fuel as it takes to get up either direction. But the difference here is the fact that in a statistical model, you don't have to break on the way down that steep, steep descent. And here you would absolutely have to break on the way down and you lose momentum breaking. So you get better fuel mileage going up the steep ascent and slowly going down the long descent. That's then, literally the opposite of what I answered, it is. isn't it? Yes. Of course it is. it is. I don't do well <laughs> with brain teasers. <laughs> My record in the almost three years we have been doing this show has got to be like 10 to 120 <laughs> easily. <laughs> Our winner this week is Ellen K from Iowa, who will receive a keep log in those RV miles t-shirt. Uh, Now, we want to announce a little change here. We're going to have a new brain teaser again later in the show, but we are actually going to stop doing the giveaways and having you guys write in with the answers to the brain teaser. We love it. uh, And that's why we're going to continue to do the brain teaser. Uh, I think everybody loves it as a part of the show, or at least a lot of you do. Some of you might hate it. Some of you might think it's your least favorite part of the show. There are people hitting the like (laughs) 60 second mark right now on their app like when is this going to be done right exactly Uh, how much longer are they going to talk about this but we figured (laughs) instead of doing this giveaway every week we want to do a giveaways that are more available to everybody that you don't have to like know the answer to a brain teaser to be a part of that there are more options for people to enter absolutely because we have um i have felt that the abbeys of the world have been left out of the brain teaser because if I was listening, so are you saying that we're um, doing this for people that aren't very smart? No. Are you implying that I'm not very no, you're, smart? No, you're just saying the Abbeys of the world. I'm don't saying understand the brain teaser. No, I'm saying the Abbeys of the world. This is not their strength okay. and they excel in other areas Fair and enough. they too should have a chance to participate in ways that don't make them feel uh, like they clearly should have taken the brain teaser class in college. So I didn't we, realize this was a thing. So we are going to do just as many giveaways. We're just going to find different ways to have you all enter them so more people can participate. 
Exactly. All right. So we will have the new brain teaser at the end of the show. It is time now for a segment where I interviewed a guest. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Jason does. I was fortunate to speak with Augustin Leung, who is the vice president of advanced driver assistance systems for Cub products. Cub makes this product called the RV blind spot detection system. And, you know, a lot of us have blind spot detection systems on our manufactured vehicle, our cars, our trucks. Most of them come with blind spot detection systems now. And I think they're uh, one of the best safety additions that has come to the automotive industry in many, many years, because that warning when you're about to hit somebody in your blind spot is just so beneficial. It also keeps you from looking over your shoulder as much. Uh, If you know somebody's there, there's no reason to look back, right? So I think that's a fantastic safety feature, but they haven't really been available for those of us who have RVs until now. Cub makes a product that you can add to your RV that adds blind spot detection for either motorhomes or trucks pulling a trailer. So without any further ado, here's my interview with Augustin Leung of Cub Products. Augustin, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's uh, great being on your show. Let's start by talking about you and how you ended up working on this product for for Cub and what your sort of experience is as an RVer. Sure, sounds good. Um, so my first experience in the RV industry, um, I was thrown into it in 2006. Uh, at the time, I worked for a radio manufacturer, um, and you know, first trip to Elkhart, and boy, was it eye-opening. Um, at that point, I've been to RV shows, um, but not ever actually gone into an RV or camped. At that time, I was shown manufacturing facilities, and I saw how RVs got put together and all the various components. Uh, I found it to be very fascinating. It was awesome that we were actually building things in America. Um, and then from then on, my career just has kept me within the uh, recreational vehicle business, um, either with, uh, you know, travel trailers, uh, fifth wheel, uh, toy haulers, or even marine products. Um, so it's been a good ride. Uh, it's all fun stuff. So it's always good to come to work and have a good time. So often the automotive industry, you know, they're always adding new bells and whistles to to vehicles. and Every now and then there's something that comes along that that is, I think, so good that, you know, it starts to become standard. And most new cars now are coming with blind spot warning systems. Unfortunately, that's not always available uh, stock on on an RV. Uh, But I think they are so effective at adding that additional uh, safety element. If we could start by talking about what the safety benefits of having a blind spot warning system are? Sure, absolutely. So on a car, blind spot warning or blind spot monitoring or blind spot detection, these are all um, the same, you know, they, they end up being the same thing, uh, but different manufacturers have different names for them. Um, the benefit for that is during driving, a lot of times we're looking forward and we're making lane changes, trying to use our mirrors and not turn our heads. Uh, or we end up merging into the same lane that another driver tries to get into at the same time. Uh, which usually results in either a horn blow or maybe some uh, exchange gestures. Uh, <laughs> or worst case, we get in an accident. Uh, the same thing happens in RVs. Um, we make lane changes when we're towing or driving a motorhome. And the difference is in a car, if you swerve back, your reaction is pretty quick and usually no harm, no foul. But in an RV, um, you're dealing with a lot more weight. You're dealing with weight that's centered pretty high up 
uh, compared to a passenger vehicle. Uh, so the opportunity to have a sway incident or have not having enough time to correct or overcorrecting and ending up with an even more disastrous uh, accident is much higher in an RV. Yeah, uh, starting a sway, uh, boy, that is uh, pulling a trailer. That is one of the scariest things <laughs> that that can yeah. happen when you see you know your home behind you um, mm -hmm. wagging its tail. So uh, that, wow, that that makes a lot of sense that it that it is even more crucial now. If you have a truck like we do, and uh, say it has blind spot detection, that doesn't really help you as much uh, if you're towing a trailer because it's not detecting the vehicle next to the trailer, right? Right. On some of the newer trucks, they do have additional features. Um, Dodge and also uh, Ford have the capability where you can set um, that you have a trailer in tow. And they can extend the coverage area to cover the trailer. However, because we're RVers, typically most of our trailers are wide chassis or um, we're towing something that's going to be in excess of the width of the truck. And one of the requirements for that feature on the trucks to work is that your trailer needs to be narrower or the same width of your, of your truck because they load these sensors into the taillight assemblies. Um, so if the radar can't see around the RV, then it can't see the traffic. Um, so that is just a physical limitation. Um, in addition, uh, you know, with larger trailers, typically the features on the trucks, when they can extend that, that distance, it's for smaller trailers. Um, usually about 30 feet is about max. Um, as you get into fifth wheel or you get into even just longer bumper tow trailers, typically your trailer lengths will be in excess of what is allowed. Um, it's a great feature, good for maybe things like utility trailers or some jet skis or maybe a small boat, um, but not ideal for RVing. I know a lot of uh, a lot of your uh, class C RVs that are built on a on a van shell where they've torn it down. They they have to remove the blind spot detection system that might come on a Sprinter van already. So we're here to talk about your product, the Cub blind spot detection system. That is an aftermarket product that we can add on to our RVs. How how does that work? So on a motorhome, uh, whether it be a class A, a class B, a class C. Uh, they mount at the rear side of the of the unit, um, and they, they bolt onto any flat surface. Uh, most of our motorhomes are pretty flat back there. Um, and then they connect to the OBD2 port, where we get information about how fast the vehicle is going. Uh, we also get power from that port as well. Um, there's a few other connections, such as your turn signals and, um, and your ignition power. And from that point on, it, it basically operates as if it was factory installed, um, like if you got a, a brand new Sprinter van, like a Class B that was equipped with it already. Uh, but as you, as, you, as you mentioned on a Class B, they cut that away, um, so they don't get that feature. Uh, and seldomly do Class A come with that feature as well, since it's a body built on a truck chassis. So talk to me about you know, what you actually get with this system, and and how do you how is it installed? Is this something that uh, that anybody can install their own, or is this something that you want to have done by a dealer? How does it work? So the system is what we would call a moderate level DIY. Um, that means that you need to have experience in connecting electrical components in your in your vehicle uh, or trailer. Um, it means that you need to drill holes. You're going to need to run some wiring uh, inside and under the, the coach. Um, so if you're handy and you can install things like a brake controller or you can install auxiliary lighting or, um, you know, more appliance type of products on your on RV, then this is something you could probably tackle yourself. Uh, if you are more the type where you prefer that if even you pull into a campsite and somebody could do the connections for you, 
this may not be the ideal product for you to try to install yourself. Um, dealerships are more than capable of installing these products. Um, also, stereo shops are very well equipped to do it as well because they work on electrical systems every day and they're good at hiding, hiding wires, uh, installing into various surfaces, and making the installation look real nice. Uh, the system comes with a few basic components. The, uh, the radars are mounted uh, at the rear corners of the RV, so there's a pair of those, one for each side. There are also a pair of indicators that go inside the motorhome. Um, they go on the A-pillars, so that's the section between your side windows and your front window. Um, these indicators light up and blink at you, depending on what's going on around your vehicle. There's also a power button uh, to turn off the system if you so desire. Uh, there's a buzzer so you can hear the beeping, and, and the system will warn you in the lane change if there's somebody in your blind spot. And there's some wiring on a controller um, to you know, manage all of the signals that are going back and forth. What do you think the the sort of length of time the install would take? Say somebody knows the, the their way around wiring and all that. What do you think the is this a day job, a half day sort of thing? Um, in my experience, um, so I've put in quite a few of these, uh, and I think my fastest motorhome so far has been about an hour and forty five minutes. Uh, more challenging units, um, I think I've spent up to five hours on a on a class A. Um, so it really just depends on you know how many compartments there are on on the coach. Um, how the wiring is run, um, if there are conduits available, and also how challenging it is to mount to the radar itself, depending on what's in that back corner. Should it be an open compartment, which is relatively easy, or is it all contained inside a wall where there's a shower in the corner? Or, you know, there's a lot of different things that could happen um, on a motorhome. Is there is there any type of, like, uh, motorhomes and trailers that this this doesn't really work for? So right now, the system is intended for motorhomes um, and tow vehicles that are equipped with an OBD2 connector. So if you have a diesel pusher, um, those vehicles are not equipped with an OBD2 connector. Uh, we're working on that solution right now. Those use a connection called a J1939 Type 2. Uh, it's a round plug for diagnostics compared to what you find in your passenger vehicles, which is a uh, rectangular shaped plug. And if you have if you have something else that's constantly plugged in your OB2, there's no pass through or, uh, or can you use it with something else as well? You can use a wide adapter. Um, so wide adapters are, are commercially available. You can pick them up on Amazon. There's a, you can probably pick them up at some auto supply stores. Um, and the OB2 connector, depending on what else is plugged into it, can usually support two to three accessories. Cool. So if you've got like one of those, uh, one of those things that sends your insurance company, your information about how good of a driver you are, you'd still be able to use right. it. Um, yes, yes, you can use that or your hotspots are, are also very popular plugins in the OB2 plug. What, what are we talking about in terms of cost? So the system retails for $9.99. Um, installation depends on where you are. Uh, in Los Angeles, it's a little bit more expensive for the hourly rates. You know, somewhere in mid-America, it's a little bit more affordable. Um, but we find that the installation rates go anywhere between 200 to $600. Uh, just depending on what type of vehicle you have and the shop that you go to and what type of other services they provide. Well, I think it's a, a fantastic to have an aftermarket option like this. And, uh, and I think it's, it's absolutely essential for people with big rigs to have safety features like this that really help them uh, keep everybody safe and keep their, their really expensive rig protected. So I think it's a, it, it's a fantastic product. What, else is coming down the line for cub are you guys working on other products we are we're um, integrating this technology into new coaches um whether it be a motorhome or a trailer 
where they're being factory equipped with this technology. Um, so it seems that we're moving in the right direction, just as um, you know, the automotive industry saw that it, it was becoming more popular and people really demanded it. Uh, JD Power and Associates ranked blind spot detection as one of the highest desired features on a new vehicle. Um, the motorhome manufacturers are also not uh, unaware of this. They're, they know that uh, if people want it on their passenger cars, they will want it on their RVs as well. Uh, we see this with a lot of technology. We see this in um, you know the, the entertainment uh, options that are available. We see this in navigation. Uh, we see this with anti-lock brakes, uh, tire pressure monitoring, all these things uh, that people desire in their daily vehicles because they're used to the technology are all migrating into the RV industry as well. Uh, when we go RVing, we expect to have a nice, luxurious, you know, we're glamping. We're not out to rough it. Uh, so having all this technology is something that is, is uh, quite expected these days. If somebody wants to learn more about Cub or the uh, Cub RV blind spot detection system, where do they go? They can go onto our website. It's rvblindspot.com. Uh, we're open 24 hours a day there. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, uh, Cub Group. Uh, we're available on there to chat as well. Um, they can drop us messages on, on any of our posts um, and also share any of our posts as well. Augustin Leung, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. RV Miles is sponsored by FMCA. FMCA is the world's largest nonprofit RV club, and it's not just for motorhomes anymore. They allow trailers and all sorts of RVs in the FMCA. It's a really fantastic club that we're happy to be members of. You get all sorts of discounts. You get the magazine. You have access to their programs like Roadside Rescue, which is their roadside assistance. Their tire savings program, which you can save hundreds of dollars purchasing your new tires. But one of the best benefits of the FMCA is one that uh, not a lot of people know about. It's their travel assist program called FMCA Assist. It's for emergency medical issues or other sorts of problems like that. And we actually almost use FMCA assist. We did when we were trying to figure out how we were going to get home from Minot, North Dakota, if we were going to stay there, what was going to happen with you. We were speaking with FMCA assist and they were going to do everything they could on their end to either fly someone to me and the boys to get the trailer and the truck back to fly you and a companion back to the quad cities to receive medical care here. They were incredibly helpful. I cannot say enough how much peace of mind I had knowing that we had FMCA assist and that they were going to be able to help get us home. We ended up not needing it. Well, we couldn't use it because I couldn't get away from the the three times a day antibiotics long enough for us to fly somewhere. Right. And that was the thing. We ended up not needing it. We ended up deciding to stay in Minot because you needed that care. But this is a program included with your membership. This is no additional cost. Absolutely. You can transport your children, your pets home safely if there's an accident of any sort. The only caveat is you have to be traveling more than 100 miles from your home. 100 miles. That's all. Yeah. I mean, that's you go 101 miles and something happens to you. They will help get you and your family home. It's a fantastic program. If you are not a member of FMCA, now is a great time to become a member and to have this security with you when you travel. 
So if you are not a member of FMCA, now is the perfect time to become one. With the code RVMILES20, you can save $10 off your membership, moving your membership from $85 a year to $75 for the year. That's less than $7 a month. Just head over to FMCA.com and use the promo code RVMILES20 or call 800-543-3622 and they will be glad to help you. And we look forward, hopefully, to seeing many of you in Tucson in March. We uh, we have actually just heard from the FMCA about an important change that's coming up. Uh, so this is, a, I guess, another piece of news to add to the show. Yeah. They will be increasing the pricing of their roadside assistance program. The roadside assistance program is the one that's going to come and change your tires and and tell you to a mechanic, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So currently it's $74 a year for FMCA roadside assistance. They will be raising that to $159 a year for motorhomes, $129 a year for towables. The rollout date for that has not been officially announced. This is all still kind of working itself out, but they do have the lockdown prices now that will be coming. So if you are a member, if you have not purchased roadside assistance, you can still get it for that $74 price. So if you've been on the fence, now might be a good time to jump on that because like what seems to be happening with a lot of what we all think are really, really great deals in this industry, they're starting to disappear. We have lots of experience with different roadside <laughs> assistance programs and, and we've yes. talked with lots of listeners about them. Uh, there are only two that we recommend. One of them is CoachNet and the other is FMCA's, which a lot of people seem to be very happy about. And FMCA's program is still going to be much cheaper than CoachNet. Yeah. The only difference is, is that you do have to be a member of FMCA in order to get that discount. Right. So for some that might balance out, but again, $75 to become a member. And then you have right now access to this 74. Now, when they get more information, we'll certainly let everybody know. We'll get an article and stuff out about it too. But for right now, there is going to be a price increase. All right. It's time for a few listener questions. These are from the RV Miles Facebook group or from people or ones that people have sent in. And one of them is one I just saw that somebody posted on the Internet and I wanted to answer because I think it was real important. So let's dive right in. I'm leaving my RV behind for a couple of weeks. I know you guys often do this. I won't have electricity to plug it into. Do I need to disconnect my battery or anything like that? Yes. Uh, yes, you absolutely should disconnect your battery for a couple of weeks. There's no reason to put it on a charger. Uh, if you don't have electricity, that's that's fine. You don't need to charge your battery for that. We recommend if it's going to be like a month or more that you ought to put your batteries on a trickle charger. But for for just a couple of weeks, there's no reason to. But you should disconnect your battery because that's going to keep it from running down. When a battery runs down to nothing, it loses part of its life. So you don't ever want your batteries to run down to nothing. So it is important to disconnect it so that there's no there's nothing that is pulling a charge from it. There always is something when you leave it connected and you, you want to make sure that that doesn't happen. Next, we are domiciled in Texas, but we still own our home in Missouri. The state of Missouri isn't accepting that we live elsewhere since we still have a home here that we stay in a few months out of the year, but it's far less than 50% of the time. They still want to tax us. Is there any way to get around this? Um, well, I'm not a tax professional. No, but... and <laughs> I mean, the state of Missouri has property taxes. Uh, you, and... you live in Missouri. I'm, I'm sorry yeah. to say uh, you, you can't just... 
choose a domicile. Uh, there's a lot that goes into domicile state, but you, well, this is tricky. I mean, they if you have a are house, are they renting out that No, home, they don't rent it they, out. They okay. They stay in it, and they're they're there. They don't want to get rid of it because they've got family. Uh, they're not ready to. So they own a home in Missouri, and then they travel. Right. They, I'm I'm conf- okay. I guess what I'm they're trying to get the tax benefits of living in Texas. Well, I guess. Do they have Texas driver's license? Yes. Hmm. Yes. But, you know, to put this frankly, you're looking at tax evasion, essentially. Yeah. Uh, That's a tough one. I I mean, I'm again, I'm not a tax professional, not a lawyer, but this is a great season to get a tax professional. They're all very readily available right now. You would would have a hard time. I mean, imagine going in front of a judge. This yeah. is this is what it comes down to. The IRS or the state of Missouri takes you in front of a judge and then you have to prove, uh, OK, you don't live in Missouri. So you're going to tell them you are nine months out of the year uh, all around the country and you're only here for three months. But you technically live in Texas. That is not going to wash. No, because you own property right. in Missouri. Yeah. I also think, too, that it's unfortunate if they were given this advice to domicile themselves into Texas and go get Texas driver's license and stuff. Because from what I know, and again, like you said, I'm not a tax person, but I don't think that this is how this should roll itself. This is a tough one. I'd be curious to see how this plays itself out. I'm hesitant to give any real information, like any real advice on this. I would just really suggest that you uh, talk to a tax advisor in the state of Missouri. Don't talk. Right. And in your hometown to find someone who knows the Missouri tax codes, who also knows because Missouri's got that weird thing about their property tax. And this is one of the reasons why we have not personal property tax, personal yeah. property taxes. One of the reasons why we have not become Missouri residents doesn't benefit us to do that. Right. Um, we do better to stay in the state of Illinois. Uh, so yeah, uh, you know, this if, is you, fun. if you, I can't spent more time in a different state than Missouri, You'd be on on probably firmer ground. But the fact that you spend more time in Missouri than any other state, um, you're going to have a hard time proving that to anybody. All right. So that's my opinion on it. But uh, but yes, consult yeah. a tax professional. But we are not professionals. So take that with a grain of salt. All right. Here's something that I can't answer directly. Okay. I understand some jacks are for leveling and some are for stabilization. I don't have the manual to my trailer. How can I tell what I have? Uh, so you've got jacks under your RV that you crank down uh, either by an electric switch or or you crank them down manually. Some people put a screw gun to them. What are those for? Well, on most trailers, on most travel trailers that are not fifth wheels, those are stabilizing jacks. And all they are meant to do is keep your RV from shaking. You don't want to put any weight on them to level your trailer. If you're leveling a trailer with stabilizer jacks, all you want to do is level it left to right with blocks under the wheels and front to back with your tongue jack. Those stabilizing jacks are only meant to take, you know, a couple hundred pounds of weight. We've seen them bent left and right because people try to use them to to level. Now, some RVs do have leveling jacks. Those are usually going to be on motorhomes and fifth wheels. And the way that you can usually tell the difference is stabilizers usually scissor down. They have like a a long screw down the middle of them and, and they scissor up and down. 
and leveling jacks usually are a solid rod, almost looks like a pipe that comes straight down. Often they're run on hydraulics, usually they're run on hydraulics, that comes straight down and, uh, and they lift your trailer up or they lift your RV up. They don't have this sort of scissoring action that folds away. That's usually the best way you can tell. So leveling jacks, you can level your trailer with or your, or your motorhome with. So the best way to tell, however, any RV out there, even if it's an older one, you can contact the original manufacturer and, and find out. They can tell you what your actual build was, even if your RV is 10, 15 years old, unless that company doesn't exist anymore. But it's almost guaranteed that if you have a travel trailer, if you bought a travel trailer that is not a fifth wheel, that your jacks are stabilizers and they're not meant to level anything. So if you have a question, send it over to us over at editor at rvmiles.com, or you can direct message us on any social media, or you can post it in the RV Miles Facebook group, and we'll be happy to answer it for you, or we'll try and get the answer if we don't know it. Yeah, or there'll be someone in the group who can answer it, because everyone in the group is very friendly and very knowledgeable and always willing to help. Or or we'll say, I don't know, consult a tax professional. (laughs) (laughs) that too (laughs) it's time for our fresh tank black tank segment where we talk about the good the bad and the stinky happening in the world (laughs) Abby, what is your black tank so my black tank this week is kind of what's been going on with the weather across the country i think it took all of us by surprise a little bit um you know there's been that unfortunate avalanche that happened in lake tahoe Mm -hmm. that a skier lost his life and then one has been severely injured several were missing for a while yes there's been there was a photo i saw the other day uh, actually this morning of crater lake they're buried under seven feet of snow there at their visitor center uh you know in kansas city over the weekend or right into the weekend there was a plane that slid off the runway there at kci interstates Uh, There's just been interstate pileups. And, you know, not that this is a surprise that we have weather. It's winter. I just think that it really took all of us a little bit like we're we weren't quite ready for it. This is the time for us Midwesterners. We know this, that this is the time of the year often where the weather is the worst, even though that February can get colder. It's it's when there's that wintry mix, when it changes from snow, when it changes from rain to ice. Yeah, Casey got hit with a crazy ice storm on Friday. So, you know, my black tank is not necessarily that it's weather. Weather happens. It's just that, unfortunately, there's just been, it almost seems like from coast to coast up to down, there has just been a lot of unfortunate accidents and mistakes being made because we're, it's the first real big storm system or the second really big storm system of the year to move through of the season. What is your fresh tank? So my fresh tank this week is going to the Tennessee Titans because they have been. (laughs) You are a traitor to your family. Listen, my family doesn't even listen to this podcast, (laughs) so I don't have to worry about it. Nobody I know listens. They do too. No, they don't. (laughs) I guarantee you, I'm saying this right now. Sue and Dave are not going to be adding me. Okay, well, whenever I say something about Sue, she knows about it. She's got a sixth (laughs) sense on you, okay? She just knows when you're talking about her. You and my mom, you two are something else. So my fresh tank this week is going to the Tennessee Titans because they have been so much fun to watch in the playoffs. They just took out Tom Brady. I don't want to hear it, Patriots fans. Don't 
Don't DM me with your disapproval. You know, this fresh tank might turn into a pumpkin before oh, we release it, this it episode, really, right? It, I, it might, it <laughs> might, but I'm still going to give it to them because they, they took out two, just everyone assumed destined for the playoffs teams. They took out the Patriots and they went and they took out the Ra- the Ravens. So now, you know, they're playing the Chiefs in about, oh, like 20 minutes. So we need to finish this up. But I am, uh... I'm going to get a lot of flack in Kansas City, but I'm not rooting for Kansas City. My ultimate is to see the 49ers and the Titans in the Super Bowl. I really need the 49ers to take the Packers out. I'm tired of looking at Aaron Rodgers' face. Like, you are just, I, you are, I got no love. I got no love. You are love. burning bridges here. I got there no are, love. There are people that are not going to listen Look, to us anymore. There are people, they know we're Bears fans. Why on <laughs> earth would they think that we like the Packers? Okay. All so, right. and plus, Robbie Gold plays for the 49ers. We never should have let him go. So, I would like to see him stick it to the Bears and go to the Super Bowl. So, that's my fresh tank. It's football, it's exciting. Jason, what is your black tank this week? Um, some sad news out of Zion National Park. You know, there there have been some rock falls there over the last couple of years. And, and in fact, most of the trails at Zion were closed for a while. They were, yes. And especially trails from the Weeping Rock stop on the shuttle. There, there are several trails that lead from there uh, that, that go up into uh, the Hidden Canyon area and mm-hmm. up to the Canyon Rim Trail. But they have decided because Weeping Rock is sort of this sort of cave almost that this carving within like in the shelf. wall it's shelf that you can stand in that the water drips down in front of almost like you're standing inside of a waterfall it's pushed out of the rock but it's sheer cliff face overhead and uh they've decided to close it indefinitely oh that just the kids are going to be so sad because that was really one of their favorite yeah. places at zion i'm so glad we had Two experiences. They have found that the rock is just, it's just not stable enough and that anytime something could happen. So they don't want to risk it. So they've, they've shut weeping rock entirely. Well, when you consider the way the water is coming out of that rock and how it softens that rock in order and is pushed forward the way that it is and the amount that's coming through, it is not surprising, but it is a really, really beautiful place, but it's a place that people clearly shouldn't be there anymore. Well, so it's a reminder that geology is active all the time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not ever changing. It's, it's, it doesn't stay still at all. No. My fresh tank this week is a cool suggestion uh, for a way to protect your liquor <laughs> and your wine bottles. The the good stuff. In life, Jason. When you're traveling either on an airplane uh, or on a train or in your RV, there's a product that you can find on Amazon. And these are wine bottle protector bags, travel protector bags. They're plastic sort of inflatable bags and they come with the little pump to inflate them. They're really cheap. It's 1169 for 16 of them. And you basically put a liquor bottle in one of them and you pump it up and it's almost like it's in a thick bubble wrap protectant. So you can store that without fear that your expensive whiskey is going to break while you're bouncing down the road in okay. your RV. Can I, can I just say something here? Mm-hmm. Couldn't you just buy bubble wrap? No, because, but this is not, this is like, this is like an inch thick when bubble wrap is, you know, like a quarter inch thick and you could easily break a, a bottle of, wine and bubble wrap. Hmm. Interesting. It's interesting. Hmm. 
I want to test this out. Well, I thought it was kind of cool. I do think it's kind of so, cool. I well, mean, I, look, it's very important. No one wants to get to their destination and see that their bottle of red has busted. No. That no good. Yeah, I no mean, good. all of us have have stopped our RV and got out if we're pulling a trailer, <laughs> gone into the trailer and been like, what did we do? What just happened <laughs> what in here? What did we leave open? Yes. So I think it's a cool product. I just it's, I just was surprised you just couldn't use bubble wrap. That's all. Yeah, well, there you go. There you this go. This is just better. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's cool. You don't, need to, you you, don't need to know why. It's just you better. You love the kitsch. You love the, and I love this about you. You love finding the little, the little tiny things that just, you wouldn't think that are out there to enhance your travel life. And you're like, look, I found these, they're containers for your liquor. You All love right. it. All right. Let's wrap this episode up with the brain teaser. I live above a star and yet I never burn. I have 11 neighbors and yet none of them turn. I'm visited in sequence first, last, or in between. PRS and Q are my initials. Now tell me what I mean. We'll have the answer to that and a whole lot more <laughs> on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. Absolutely. And we want to remind everyone that Sea America is going strong. And so is America's National Parks. This week on the Sea America podcast, we shared a story about the Wave Organ, which is part of the Exploratorium in San Francisco. Over on America's National Parks, we tackled a subject we've tackled here and across our Facebook groups. We talk about what do all those national park passes mean? Because the language keeps changing and it can be incredibly confusing. So Jason sits down and he kind of talks through it. That's over on America's national parks. We would also like to say the biggest of thank yous to those of you who have been going over to Apple Podcast and leaving us a review. The numbers have jumped recently. It's fantastic. And it's so nice to hear from you, to hear what you guys are enjoying, and to interact with you that way too. So thank you so much. If you haven't gone over there, we would so appreciate it if you would. It just helps put us in front of other people. Of course, RV Miles is all across social media as well. That's another way we can interact with you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. I've also started us over on Flipboard. Do y'all know about Flipboard? This is a really interesting website. If you're not over there, go over to flipboard.com and check it out. It's kind of cool. Yes. Welcome to 2010. I know. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> I'm just saying, okay. It's interesting though, because there's not a lot of RV outdoor people that use Flipboard though. It's like your own personal newspaper, kind of. It, it, it kind of is. And there's not a whole lot of like us in the industry to kind of interact with. So I think it's kind of cool to go over there, though, and find that audience and, and interact with people in that medium. So uh, 2010 called and I answered. So I went over to Flipboard.com. I left Pinterest in the dust. So anyway, find us across social media. We want to talk to you. And until next week, keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. Bye.